All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is so good to be with you all. Um, I, I don't know. Every single time I, I, come, I come here and I'm just like, ah, like you all just, you all just have my heart, you know, and I'm just like, oh, I just love, there's no better place to be. And I always just enjoy being, uh, being able just to serve in the community. And it's particularly in this way in regards to preaching. Um, and I mean, if you know me, you know, like I'm like that guy, you know, it's like, you know, get to get to preaching. And so and I feel I feel it today in my bones, really, because we're we are right on the cusp of Resurrection Sunday and where we celebrate where the glory of God strikes that tomb and Jesus is resurrected and those who call upon his name are saved. And so we're right on the cusp of that to uh, celebrating that next week. But this week, actually. Um, to, I mean, actually, today on the on the calendar, it's Palm Sunday, and on Palm Sunday we celebrate Jesus's triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem, in which he is riding on that donkey's colt, and the people are laying down the palm branches, saying "Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God," and all of those things. And so Jesus is entering into the city of Jerusalem, you know, that triumphal entry. And, but today we're talking about a different aspect of his triumph, and that is in his death. And how he was crucified on the cross, and how in his death we find redemption. And that the Lamb of God was slain for the sins of the world, and for those of us that say yes to Jesus, we are given new life. And so, I'm, I don't know, I just, so today the, the message, uh, the title, I don't, it's been a really busy week. Like, if you all know me, my, I typically hand out notes, but my notes are handwritten today. So um, it's, it's old school, but I feel it. And the, the title of today's message is The Fragrance of Freedom. Because the truth of the matter is this, is that Jesus' death on the cross was for our freedom. And in Galatians 5.1, it says, for freedom Christ has set us free. And today we are going to lean into that in focusing particularly on his death. And so, like I said, on, on Palm Sunday, we discuss, do we typically discuss Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem? But today we're talking about the triumph of his death. And, uh, and the, big, the big idea, or kind of the stuff that I'm going to be covering today, is just, just really breaking, breaking the passage down that we'll be looking at in particularly three points is this, is that Jesus gave up his spirit so our spirit could be made alive to God. Is that Jesus died completely because he was pierced in the side. He died completely so that we could be rendered completely dead to sin. And then also is that uh, Jesus' body was cared for by being anointed with fragrance so that ultimately you and I could become the fragrance of Christ to the world. And so that's what we're going to be covering today. And uh, if you have a copy of the scriptures, turn with me to John chapter 19. John chapter 19, verse 28 through 42. And, you know, typically, you know, when preachers get up here, you know, they, you, know I, you, you all know me. I could go a long time, but I won't because we got a potluck today. So, I, you know, <laughs> I'll, keep, I'll try and keep it short. I'll try and keep it short. <laughs> But we're going to be looking at John chapter 19, verse 28 through 42. And I'm going to read it first. I'm going to pray first, then read it, and then kind of dive a little bit deeper into the, into the passage. So, uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just say a quick prayer, and then we'll just see where the Lord takes us. 
Yes, Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And we say thank you for the death of your son. Thank you that he bore the sin and the punishment that was due us. And that in his death, in his crucifixion, in his death, and in his resurrection, we find redemption. So, Lord, I'm just asking in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would just pour out the spirit of wisdom and of revelation upon us this morning as we look at this text, as we look at uh, the, the very death of your son for our redemption, for our, uh, for our reconciliation back to you. So we say thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for the way that you have uh, offered your son for our sake that we may be reconciled back to you. We're asking for your blessing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm just going to read this passage, and we're reading from John chapter 19, beginning in 28, and reading all the way to the end of the chapter. This is what it says. It says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and, uh, and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Then the Jews, because it was the day of preparation, so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other who was crucified with him. But coming to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may also believe. For these things came to pass to fulfill the scripture, not a bone of him shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate granted, uh, and Pilate granted permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen, in linen wrappings with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. Therefore, because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. And as we, re as we read this passage, the energy of the passage or the synergy, what John is really getting at, because in the gospel of John, he talks about eternal, how Jesus is the essence of eternal life, that eternal life isn't just found in a prayer, but it's found in a person. And he's saying that this eternal life, this, this son of God, the, the second person of the Trinity actually took on flesh, skin and bones like you and me. And the energy of this passage is found in that John is saying, I was there to witness the, his crucifixion. I was there to witness the death of this one who is eternal life. 
And so what John is getting at is saying that Jesus really was a real man. He really lived. And in this passage, we find that he really died. Like he, he, he died a physical death. That, that crucifixion, you know, the, the whipping and the beating and the crucifixion. And there comes a moment here where Jesus says, it is finished. He bows his head and he gives up his spirit. And, you know, a lot of us, I'm sure we've all pondered this question, is that we, you know, we always think of like, where do we go, you know, when we die? And we, we've all, we have all thought about that, is where do we go when we die? And praise God, for those of us who say yes to Jesus, we go to be with him. But in this case, Jesus actually descended to Sheol. He actually descended to hell so that he could conquer death so that we wouldn't have to fear it any longer. And uh, it, it says this uh, in 1 Peter. It says this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, verse 18 to 19. He says this. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. And, he, and, so, and then Paul says in another, in another passage that Jesus actually descended to the lower regions or to the place where the, where the uh, spirits were captive um, in hell or Sheol, the imprisoned spirits. And it also states uh, in one of the church history's historical documents in the Apostles' Creed, it says this. It says this, it says, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And so in this, in this uh, passage where Jesus, he, he's crucified, he dies, and he gives up his spirit, the place that he goes isn't immediately to the Father, but he actually descends to the lower regions where, there, where the spirits were imprisoned so that he could preach freedom to the captives. And so that, he could, so that he could redeem those who once, like you and me, were destined for the pit. And so in this moment in which he goes and he descends to the lower regions, and it says in Peter, he preached freedom to the captives. And it says in, e in Ephesians 4 that when he ascended, he led a host of captives with him so that for people like you and I who were destined for the pit, that we, by saying yes to Jesus, would be freed from the fear and the pangs of death. And this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, it says that, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. 
And the first point of this whole entire message today is that Jesus died a physical death so that you and I would not have to fear death. Is that Jesus actually, he took the punishment that was due us, bore it upon himself, and he actually, by dying, destroyed the works of the devil so that, when, so that when we say yes to his work on the cross, when we say yes to that blood that was spilled out, that we would no longer have a fear of death. That we could look death straight in the eye and say, I know somebody who conquered death. Is that I know somebody who actually is able to, is, is greater than the plague that has hit humanity since the time of Adam. Is that there, that just as in the first Adam, that, uh, that death entered into the world, now through the last Adam, Jesus Christ, we actually are able to look death in the face and say, he has already conquered you. And I no longer have to fear death. This is what Jesus did. He tasted death for us all so that we wouldn't have to be bound by the fear of death any longer. And by dying, like I said, Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. And he gave up his spirit. Because you and I, before we, act, before we said yes to Jesus, our spirits, our hearts were cold and dead and headed towards the place of eternal separation from him. But because Jesus in this moment gave up his spirit, descended to the lower regions and preached freedom to the captives, and actually then the father took him up, got his resurrected body, and then ascended to the highest place, the right hand of God the father. On his way up, he's trampling serpents and demons, and he's conquering, and he, st and he sits down at the right hand of the father so that when we say yes to Jesus, we don't have to fear death anymore. That this is the glory of the cross. This is the glory of the death of Jesus Christ. Is that in his death, we no longer have to fear death. And so John, in this passage, he, he is really emphasizing that Jesus died a physical death. And that in this, he gave up his spirit so that you and I could be made alive to God. So that's the, that's the first point of John's, uh, of John's passage here, this first chunk, is that Jesus gave up his spirit so that you and I could be made alive to God. The second part, this is, this is glorious, this is glorious if we catch it, is that in John, in John 19 verses 31 through 37, is that Jesus, he was on the cross, he had already given up his spirit and as the, as the Roman soldiers were going and looking at the criminals on the cross, they would go and they would break their legs because this was a part of the Roman crucifixion process to speed up the death of the criminals. And so what they would do is that they would go and break the legs of the criminals so that they, it would crumble and that they would, they, that they would suffocate under the weight. But when they got to Jesus, they didn't break his legs to fulfill the uh, prophetic scriptures. But instead, they pierced him through in his heart, and immediately it says in the passage that blood and water spilled out. 
And so it was one of those moments where John is like really emphasizing like Jesus really died. And if you go to any commentary or if you go to, you know, any scholarly work or medical work, they'll give you all kinds of medical reasons as to why there was no way for Jesus to, you know, still remain alive in this moment. Um, Especially even after he gave up his spirit and they pierced him in the side. And so John, his emphasis in this point, and he says, I testify. I'm saying I saw, I witnessed the blood and the water spilling out of his side. And, you know, commentators will say it's symbolic. But John, I believe, is really just saying, like, no, like the one who is eternal life really died. And, and I, I want us to think about this just for a moment. Like, how many of us have actually stopped and thought about Jesus' body, like, actually lifeless? Like, 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 just stop, stop and think about that just for a moment. You know, we, we hear, we, we read, you know, in the Gospels, you know, about him doing all of these amazing miracles. We imagine, you know, we watch the, you know, the show The Chosen and, you know, all these different movies. And we see Jesus really, you know, alive and vibrant. And then even on the cross, we hear him talking, you know, all of these things. But imagining, like, his body, his physical body actually lifeless. It's a powerful thought to is a powerful thought to think about. It's a powerful image. But I believe that if we if we if we look at it a little bit closer that Jesus was he was completely lifeless to the to you know the the blood the blood spilled out the water spilled out and all that stuff. He was completely lifeless so that you and I could be completely dead to sin. Like that, like that, that's, that's, that's why Jesus died is just in the same way that his body was completely lifeless, in the same way when we say yes to Jesus, our old man is crucified and we are brought into new life and that old person is rendered completely dead to sin and the grave. Like that, 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 is, that is the imagery that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 6. So turn with me here to Romans. This is, this, is re- this is really, really good. It's Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. And this is what it says. This is amazing. This is amazing. He says this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who die to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? It says, therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. 
Even so, consider yourselves. Even so, he's talking to you and, and me, believers. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That Jesus was pierced in his side. He, he gave up his spirit. He was pierced in his side, completely dead. And that image of Jesus' lifeless body is supposed to convey a message to you and me is that when we say yes our old man is crucified with him is that when we say yes is that that old man of sin is buried in the grave and we are resurrected with new life in Christ Jesus like this is the imagery that we that John is depicting and that Paul elaborates on in this passage of Romans and it's that blood, it's that blood of the Lamb of God that redeems us. It's the blood of the Lamb of God that cleanses us and washes us completely from our sin. And sin, and when we say yes to Jesus, when we believe on his name, is that we, is that sin no longer has power and it no longer has a place to rule and reign in our lives. Is that we are, we are rendered completely dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Amen. It's, it's <laughs> like, oh my goodness, like I, I could just, you know, burst, but I won't. <laughs> and in this, in this same passage, uh, uh, John, he talks about Jesus being pierced in his side and, and the blood and the water spilling out. And many of us are familiar with this imagery is that just like the first Adam, the Lord, you know, took of his side, took of his rib and brought forth his bride. In the same way that, in the same way, Jesus on that cross being pierced and, you know, and, and the blood spills out, is that in his blood he purchases a bride. That in, 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 from, from just as, as God took the rib of Adam in the garden and made Eve, so also Jesus was pierced in his side, the blood purchasing the bride of Christ. Like that is, that is, that is the imagery that uh, many teachers in the body of Christ have linked to the narrative of redemptive history. And this is, it's just, it's glorious that Jesus conquered sin in his death. And you just have, <laughs> it's just one of those, it's just one of those moments in scripture, in, in the Bible, and in history, and in the redemptive narrative of the earth that we have to stop and simply marvel at. <laughs> that the Son of God who had the highest place in the universe, allowed himself to be given over so that you and I could be redeemed and be reconciled back to the Father. Oh, man. So the first, the first point is that Jesus conquered death by dying a physical death. And the second point is that Jesus conquered sin and that he by his blood cleanses us of all of our iniquity, of all of our unrighteousness, and that in him we find redemption. And then the third point that I want to hit today is that, uh, is, is this part, is that in John chapter 19, verses 38 through 42, 
we see two men helping Jesus, uh, caring for the body of Jesus. It says this, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he may take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate granted permission. So he came and took away his body. And then it says, Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight. And so they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen wrappings with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now, this is the glorious part of, this is, this is one of just, yeah, the, the glorious parts of this whole entire chapter. Is that typically when criminals were crucified in this context, they would not receive, you know, a burial that was respected. They, they wouldn't receive a burial at all. But uh, Jesus had a couple disciples who took care of his body. And what they did is said that Nicodemus had 100 pounds of aloes and myrrh and all of these things and all of these potent fragrances to bind and wrap Jesus' body with and lay him in a tomb. And, you know, a couple, a few chapters before, Mary of Bethany, she would come, break the alabaster jar over Jesus and anoint him. And he says, she has done a beautiful and good thing to me, anointing me for my crucifixion. And, and you know, there was that fragrance that would fill the room, right? There was that aroma that filled the room when Mary broke that alabaster jar. And then when Jesus, after his crucifixion, after all of these things, being bound, after being whipped and crucified and, you know, giving up his spirit and being pierced in the side, his, these two disciples would come, uh, Joseph and, uh, and Nicodemus, and they would come and they would wrap Jesus' uh, body in linen and use that 100 pounds of fragrance so that his body was anointed with this sweet fragrance. And what I'm trying to say here is this is that Jesus died a physical death so that we could become the fragrance of the knowledge of him in the earth. Is that, is that Jesus, his body was anointed with fragrance both before his crucifixion and after his crucifixion so that you and I could become the fragrance of the knowledge of his glory throughout the earth. Check it out here in 2 Corinthians. Turn with me there. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is the redemptive work of Christ in his death in particular. In his, in his death. And this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14 and 16. And this is uh, the Apostle Paul talking. He says this, I'll, uh, he, yeah, this is what he says. He says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are the fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one an aroma from death to death, to the other an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? And so, so Paul the apostle, he's, uh, he's, he's saying this. He's like, he's like, Jesus died 
And in his death, by us saying yes, there is this fragrance of the knowledge of his glory that comes upon us. Is that we, it's not, it's not just about living a, a life, a Christian life that doesn't emit a smell. <laughs> you know, like, you know those people where it's like, like I, 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 like, I like wearing fragrances. You know, like I like, you know, I have, you know, a couple, a couple really expensive fragrances, you know, for my birthday I got and all that stuff. And I, you know, I like, you know, but you can tell, and people are like, you know, you know, people smell you, and you know, it's like, wow, you smell really, really good, you know, <laughs> you know, you get, you get those like nice compliments, you know. <laughs> but the thing, but the truth, the, the 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 reality is, is that when you're wearing a fragrance, you know, when you're wearing cologne or you know perfume or whatever it is, people know when you enter a room, and people people know when you know, like the the fragrance that we emit ought to be the fragrance and the aroma of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Is that when people look at us, that when people hear us, when people see the way that we live, there ought to be a fragrance. It ought to be, wow, you look a lot like Jesus. <laughs> it's like, wow, you smell a lot like, I, I, smell, I smell a little something on your life, you know? It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like yeah. Let me tell you what it is. It's the knowledge of Christ Jesus, and it's, it's not me living, but it's Christ in me who is showing his, the brilliance of his face in the way that I live, in the way that I talk, in the way that I move and I act. And Paul is saying this here. He's saying is that he says, but thanks be to God who always leads us, and today is about triumph, the, in triumph in Christ and manifest through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. This is the redemptive work of Jesus in his death. Is that in his death, by giving up his spirit, by us saying yes, our spirits are made alive to Christ, uh, made alive to God in Christ Jesus. And by him being pierced in the side, being rendered completely dead, is that in the same way when we say yes to Jesus, we are rendered completely dead to sin. And in the same way that Jesus' body was anointed with potent fragrances before his crucifixion and after his crucifixion, by us saying yes to Jesus, we become the aroma and the fragrance of the knowledge of his name in the earth. That this is his, the glory of his death. What a miracle. That dead people who were once dead and destined for eternal separation from God would be made alive in Christ and become the very fragrance of the knowledge of his name in the earth. What a miracle. <laughs> what a miracle. I, I, I mean, I just feel like praising God right now. Like, like you know, it's just like, it's like, oh my goodness. Like, I don't know about you, but for me, I was, I was headed to a place where I would have been eternally separated. And Jesus said, not on my watch. And so he, he said, I will go to the cross so that you could be redeemed and, and that you would share in a resurrection like mine. But it's called, but we're called to enter. 
enter into a death like his. He says, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross, die the death that I died, and then that's where you find life. That's where you find life is in following this humble lamb who was led to the slaughter and by the grace and the glory and the power of God is made alive and has the highest place in the universe, seated at the right hand. And guess what? We're seated with him. <laughs> yeah, we're seated with him. And this is, oh, man, I get, you know. I don't want to steal Jesse's message next week, but, you know. <laughs> but the cross ought to be proclaimed every week. <laughs> uh, handwritten notes are pretty cool, huh? <laughs> and I just want to close, and I kind of want to, I just want to end with this. This is kind of how this really applies to all of our lives, is, is, is this truth and this fact right here, is that it, it, you know, the world, when they saw Jesus on the cross, you know, they said, you know, the, the, the people, they were like, you know, if you're really the son of God, you know, come down from the cross and you know, save yourself and all those things. And, you know, it, it seemed, and then, you know, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't do it and he dies on the cross, is pierced, gives up his spirit, you know, the whole, the whole nine. And in, 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 to, in, in the world's eyes, there was nothing going on. It was, oh, here is another man who claimed to be something great, who claimed to be something, but, you know, he just, he, he died. And, and that's kind of what the disciples were thinking a little bit after, uh, you know, his, his death when they were on the road to Emmaus. But the truth of the matter is that seem, when everything seemingly just crumbled, when everything seemingly had no purpose anymore, that this Jesus movement that, had, that was at its peak when he entered into Jerusalem is that now, like, you know, our leader is dead and all of these things. And, you know, those three days, it was just, what on earth do we do? That in, seemingly that nothing was happening. But in, in this moment, the redemption of the world was happening. <laughs> that, that it wasn't like, that in, in a, for a lot of us, for a lot of us, we may be in places and spots in our life in which everything seems dead, completely lifeless. Something may seem like it has no, no out. Something seems like it has no in. It doesn't have any life in it. But in the, in the meantime, God is working for your good. That he is working to redeem the situation that are happening. He's working to redeem your life and my life and the things that seem to be headed towards the pit that in the same moment Jesus by his glory and the, being the good shepherd of our life is redeeming all things. And so that's the good news today is that even when things seem completely lifeless, even when things seem to be you know, at a complete dead end, is that God in his power can use that very thing to bring about the redemption in your life, can use it to bring about the glory and magnifying the name of Jesus Christ. And so my, my message and my encouragement today is that even when things seem like they're completely dead, even when things seem like, you know, it's a complete dead end, in the same way that, G, that God was working in the redemption of the world, in the death of Christ Jesus, so also he can work and redeem any dead situation in our life.
that this ought to be the encouragement that we take away is that God can do it. (laughs) It's that God, his right hand is not shortened to bring about life and glory from a completely dead situation. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and respond. And so in this, in this moment, as we respond, we're just going to just give the Lord our life. We're just, any, any situation, anything that you may be going through, anything that uh, is, is tough and rough and just maybe somewhat seemingly hopeless, we're just going to give it to him this morning. And we're going to say, Lord, we trust and believe that your hand is not shortened to redeem and resurrect any dead situation in my life. So yes, Father, we come before you recognizing your power and your glory in the death of your son. And Lord, I'm asking, even now this morning, Lord, that you would bring about life and redemption, God, in the midst of the situations that we are in, the seemingly dead ends that we find ourselves in. Lord, we thank you that the death of your son conquered death. We thank you that the death of your son conquered sin. We thank you that the death of your son brings about the fragrance of the knowledge of him in our life. So, Lord, we, we just surrender and we give you our lives. So, Lord, I'm, even, I'm asking even now by the power of your spirit, by the power of your spirit, would you begin to encourage and strengthen our hearts? Lord, to recognize that you are working all things for our good. Thank you, Lord. In all things. You're working for me. Give me eyes, Lord, to see. Oh, in all things, you're working for me. Give me eyes, Lord, to see. Oh, in all things, you're your prayer. Lord, you purchased our redemption 
and our healing. So, God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, Lord, if there are any ailments, Lord, in the congregation, God, I'm asking that you would stretch forth your mighty right hand, Lord, and heal any uh, any part, Lord, that may be out of alignment in the way that you designed our bodies to be. God, I'm asking that as we fellowship today and as we go about our weeks, that you would bless us and that you would remind us of the glory of the death of your son and his resurrection and his ascension. So God, I'm asking that you would continue to move in our hearts, that you would give us eyes to see that you are working for us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.